0: Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to Season 3 of Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit. Leadership belongs to all of us. It's not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. Today's show is near and dear to my heart. And I, you know, there's so many people out there talking about EI, also known as Emotional Intelligence. And I've interviewed many people on the show, and we've had many chats around that. But this gentleman today has, he's got a lot of substance. He's got a lot to share with us. So I want to welcome Phil Johnson to the show.
1: Uh, Thanks, Deb. It's a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Phil, I'm shaking things up this year because... I often would read bios of people and they would be spectacular and wonderful. And I thought, why am I not letting people share their own little snapshot of their life, otherwise known as their bio? So would you share with our listeners who are listening in 65 countries around the world, we're super proud of that on this podcast, Would you share a little bit of of your life story, your bio, with our listeners?
1: I'd be happy to. Well, I'm 69 years old, and uh, I started on this journey 54 years ago when I was uh, 14, uh, a month after my mother's death. And I was actually born with dyslexia. And the combination of my dyslexia and my mother's death uh, put me on this path and it kind of catapulted me out of my comfort zone and forced me to do a lot of what I now refer to as emotional labor. And in all honesty, um, if it had been a choice, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because it's extremely difficult. But I'm very happy that I wasn't given the choice and that I was, in a sense, forced. To, uh, to do the emotional labor that's helped to prepare me for what I've been doing for the last uh, 22 years and working with executives and organizations all over the world to uh, to help them uh, succeed through the development of their emotional intelligence.
0: It's always interesting when I hear another story from someone and, and how our life happenings maybe move us on another path, like you said, that we wouldn't have chosen. And I have to ask this question. So what would you have chosen? What was kind of your, you know, aspiration sitting in your young teenage heart at that time?
1: To be a guard in the NBA, playing basketball.
0: And life has taken you on a different path and you've helped so many. So I'm going to ask you four leadership questions. Sure. So the first one is you've obviously shared the value and the importance of emotional intelligence, but you've been at this for over two decades now. Share with us why it's so important in today's climate in business acumen. Does it have a place? Is it gaining a place? And is it seen as as value and important? It's a loaded question, but I just feel that I know that you're going to unpack this so well in your answer, and, and I'm eager to hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question, and, uh, and you're right. I will. The development of our emotional intelligence is critical not only for uh, for career, corporate, and personal success, but quite frankly, it's critical for us to be able to uh, to deal with the tsunami of change we're facing globally. We have a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change, doesn't like any change, positive or negative. It just doesn't like change. And we're facing a tsunami of change. So let me, let me give you a, an example of what I'm talking about. Whenever we take an action that moves us outside of our comfort zone as a part of our old lizard brain that doesn't want us to do that called the amygdala. And so when that happens, it automatically secretes a hormone called cortisol into our bloodstream, which causes our prefrontal cortex, the executive center of our brain to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. Some people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, uh, quite often people die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die, we burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation triggers in us and move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that fear to keep us trapped in our comfort zone. Two other points I'd like to make, if I could. There's a 40-year study that was completed by UC Berkeley in California comparing intellectual intelligence with emotional intelligence, and they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400% more valuable in determining success than intellectual intelligence. The last thing on that is... Uh, There's a company that's currently valued at about $2 trillion that's doing about $600 billion a year in revenue, and their primary hiring focus is emotional intelligence, and that company is Apple. And that's why when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. Uh, They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, help you with that pain And they want you to have a great experience whether you buy anything or not is secondary to their desire to want to serve you. And maybe you'll tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. But if you think about it, the energy you feel in that environment is a very different energy from the energy in the store surrounding that Apple store. And that's an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment.
0: And that's a great, great example because he's one of my favorite CEOs And the heart-centered leadership that has opened the bandwidth from from his leadership for that company is phenomenal. And I was watching a show the other day and it was just a father and a son and they were with another father and son at a sporting event. And the one dad was like, I'm thinking of buying my son an iPhone. And the other dad looks at him and he said, if you really want to help your son, Buy him some Apple stock, not the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, so, so well done. But I love the layman's relatable neuroscience. That's my background. I love the way you framed how everything works together. And it's and it's so true. And we don't like change. And tsunami, another favorite word of mine. And boy, oh boy, we've we've been on that tsunami for almost three years. And, you know, I, I I hate saying this word because it's been overused so much, but if you don't change, you got to learn to pivot. And it can be on your terms, but it's still gonna make you move. And and like you said at the beginning, get us out of that comfort zone that we love staying in. No. Now, my second question is is super fun. It's I've I've given it permanent residency on the show. I, I've asked over 200 leaders this question. It brings a lot of laughter, hence the name of the show. Share with us what imperfections that Phil brings to his heart-centered leadership.
1: Oh, God. How much time do you
0: have? And I always get asked. <laughs> you you share with us a couple of of traits or things that are right on top of mind because this is the beauty of the show is... Regardless of who we are, at the end of the day, we're all imperfect. And the more we share, the more meaningful alignment we have around the globe.
1: Yeah. Well, because of my dyslexia, um, I have very difficult, very difficulty remembering people's names. Uh, I'm very visual. So when somebody tells me their name, most of the time I can't remember it uh, unless I see it on a board or a a piece of paper or something. I also have difficulty understanding the words in music and I didn't actually realize that for uh the, up until up the last two decades. I remember friends of mine uh we'd get together and listen to music and uh I'd say do you understand those words? They'd say yeah, of course. And I I I just couldn't I couldn't understand the words. So um It also takes me about 10 times as long to read a book as it does uh, an average person. So I'm a very slow reader. What else would you like?
0: (laughs) I I think those are, you know, great traits. And I can tell you, you're among great company on the podcast. We all have imperfections and that's... You know, when we have the emotional intelligence to allow ourselves to be open and authentic and transparent, it doesn't mean that we're going to get less validated in any way. Yeah. If anything, it it heightens our, our honesty, our humility. And, and that's what I love. So,
1: Actually, if I could just chime in on that. Yes, please. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about vulnerability. And I said that vulnerability is not weakness, it's a strength. And it's really when we lower our walls and allow ourselves to be vulnerable, that when that's when we're least vulnerable. When we refuse to do that, that's when we're most vulnerable.
0: Absolutely. Now, my third question, one of the things I know you would like to convey to our listeners is, Passion creates action, which is always needed to achieve better results. So share with us a scenario where emotion can get in the way and a strategy to remove that so that action can be taken to allow a person's passion to not be interrupted by emotional dysregulation.
1: Well, I think there's, uh, every emotion has a unique energy frequency. And, uh, when we raise our walls, that causes us to focus more on the, on the negative lower frequency emotions. Uh, when we lower our walls, we become less resistive, judgmental and attached outcome. And that enables us to connect with the more higher energy positive emotions like, Gratitude and joy and love and, and, uh, ultimately, uh, enlightenment. So whether our walls are up or down kind of determines our, our emotional state. But emotion is important to create motivation. And there's actually only two sources of motivation that will cause us to move outside of our comfort zone. One is pain. The other one is passion. And for the most part, the thing that tends to motivate people the most is pain. It's a desire to, um, uh, to achieve better results than they're currently getting. And so we need to, in order to take action, we need to develop an emotional connection with a desired result that's greater than the fear that's going to get generated in us uh, as we leave our comfort zone in the pursuit of that result. So a very simple question is that I always ask people uh, initially is, what do you want? Because um, it's helping people to get connected with forming an emotional connection with something they want to achieve that creates motivation. And I think the second part of your question um, is related to thinking. Um, uh, Thinking often causes us that voice, in the back of our head often causes us to, uh, to raise our walls. And a very simple way to quiet that voice um, is to focus on your breathing. If you simply focus on your breathing, on, the, on inhaling and exhaling your breath, uh, that stops you from thinking and allows you to be more present. That's a
0: fan favorite of mine. I, uh, I became a yoga teacher at 50. And I did it for two reasons, Phil. I I wanted, I was a good listener, but I wanted to be an exemplary listener. And I wanted to practice honing equanimity so I didn't have the dysregulation. I wanted to be able to control that. And, and if people could just pause in their day, and I, I work with a lot of executives and I bring this in as well. When you do the breath work, stops the thinking, grounds you to the present moment, and if you can allow people the ability to take that time in their schedule, six deep diaphragmatic breaths physiologically resets the body. And who doesn't like a little reset during the day? No. And it takes all of 90 seconds and most people don't want to take the time to do it. It's It's fascinating to me. And then when they start doing it, they like it. So it's like any other new habit or change like we're talking about. It's just, it's fascinating. So my last question is around servant leadership. And I know what led you there. And you were such a young man at the time how has that evolved for you with experience and education and maturity? How did you look at all the different decades as you grew as a man? Because you were, you know, telling us you're 69 years young. That's 54 years that you talked about. How, how has your servant leadership evolved both intrinsically and extrinsically?
1: Another great question. It's given me great gratitude and perspective on the journey that I've been on. I actually asked, I wanted to do this work since January of 1968, after my mother's death. And as I look back over the decades, I could see with clarity that I got what I asked for and that my journey has, uh, prepared me. It's kind of what I do now comes full circle with the promise I made to myself uh, 54 years ago. And I can see how the challenges I've, I've faced in my life have helped to prepare me uh, for, the, uh, for the work I've been doing. Um, and I understand the incredible importance of doing this work
0: And I'm glad you're still doing it. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going, Phil. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fam four. These are four rapid fun questions so our listeners can get to know Phil a little bit better. Sure. So first question, if I were to talk to any of your family or your friends and I asked them to describe you in one word, what would that be? Love. Love. Absolutely needed for heart-centered leadership. Love it. Second question, and I love that you shared about reading. What is your favorite book that you read at any juncture in your life that was really life-changing?
1: Ah, oh, excellent question. And I have it right here. (laughs) Uh, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. I love Eckhart Tolle, and um, the work that I do in the Master of Business Leadership program helps people experience what he talks about in his writing, in his books. So, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, he's phenomenal, and uh, his uh, his books are phenomenal. Everything he does is phenomenal. Do
0: you think reading that book led you to create and do the work you're doing? Was it was it one of the main proponents for where you are today?
1: No, it validated it. I was already doing the work. And as I, uh, you, I don't know if you can see this, but I've got notes on almost every page. You know, yes, yes, yes. So the work I do, Uh, helps people to experience the ideas he talks about in his his book. I love that.
0: Okay, my third question, I'm granting you a wish. And you get to have dinner with a leader who you would just aspire to meet. And just to wrap some context around this, this could be someone who's living or someone who's passed away. Who are you having dinner with and what is the dinner conversation?
1: Christ. I, I lost your.
0: What's the conversation?
1: Everything. Anything. Anything and everything. Doesn't matter. I love it.
0: Well, Phil, I am so delighted that our paths have crossed and I was delighted that you wanted to be on the show so I'm going to ask the last question. I'm going to ask you to finish this sentence for me to close out the show sure. and just wish you continued success in the important work that you're doing. It is so needed. Thanks, Tim. So finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is...
1: Having the courage to bet on yourself by developing your emotional intelligence.
0: Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and learned some new tools for your leadership from our amazing Heart Centered guest. And if you like the show, we would welcome a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And we would love to have any comments or feedback at any time. And if you want some more heart-centered goodness, head over to our daily blog, MasteringTheHeart.com.